you know, I, I know, I just know from experience that people love it when we talk about politics. So let's start <laughs> yeah. off hot. <laughs> so yeah, my, uh, my coworker told me that uh, his doctor told him not to get the booster because that's what all doctors are saying, I hear. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's absolutely not necessary. Uh, yep. And I said, when? A uh, when? I said, man. Um, I've never heard a doctor tell me, like, I've never had a doctor say to me, don't get the flu shot. Yeah. It's I mean, only necessary. if you're, like, allergic to it. Yeah. So, like, when I go to the doctor, I, my doctor is always like, do you need the flu shot? We can give it to you today. Do you need it? Oh, yeah. Like, no. Like, I've gone to doctors or, like, even the pharmacy, and it's, like, August. So I'm like, do you want a flu shot? And I'm like, what? No. Maybe in October. Like, yeah. But. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I said that. And he was like, well, that's just, like, uh, that's, like, so that they can avoid malpractice. So, like, you can't come back and try to sue your doctor for not giving you your flu shot. And I was like, in what fucking world? So we get this argument about, like, whether or not to get the flu vaccine. And I went. I, I genuinely went, you know what? Just shut up. <laughs> We're not going to agree. So stop having this conversation with uh, me. Yeah. I mean, sometimes that's what you got to do. Like, that's what so many people in that sort of viewpoint of the world want is mm-hmm. they want that. They want to take up your time and your breath yep. and your like, and the way- they know you're not going to they're not going to magically change your mind by yelling at you. That's not how it works. Yeah. And so the thing is. I the other person that I work with is 64 years old and he's like I'm going to get it because I'm old yeah. and I don't want to die and then of course the next day he got COVID. So, hope you're hope you're doing better out there. No you're not listening but <laughs> thinking about you. <laughs> well, I mean and that's that's the whole thing is like the the recommendation of like if you're confronted with someone like a, you know, neo-Nazi or an incel or whatever yeah i mean if you're not gonna punch them then just don't engage just walk away because all they want to do is take up your time and try to twist your words and your rhetoric to fit what they want or what they expect of you or whatever so just fucking leave them alone let them be stupid if you're not gonna punch them we do endorse nazi punching here we do um but legally we don't advise it we just endorse it yeah we're not fucking lawyers yeah. You gotta take care of that shit yourself. But I hit a uh, a level of adult today that I didn't expect. Oh. I got a pop-up on my computer when I opened it up to start recording with you that um, gas was cheaper than it was yesterday when I filled up. And I got very upset about it. Uh, it sucks to suck. <laughs> and I'm just like, god damn it. I hate that. And now I'm like, I-, I get it. I get, I get my parents' conversation of like, well, maybe it'll be cheaper tomorrow. Let's just wait. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. I never understood that before, but now I do. And like, we're not even dealing with like the crazy high gas prices here. Like, it's definitely way higher. Oh, what do you What do you have? Uh, so the pop up I had today was uh three thirty six. Oh damn. Okay. But I drove past the gas station last night and it was three fifty nine. Yeah, three fifty nine is the highest I've seen it in a while. I filled up yesterday at like. 348 or something i think the highest it got to here was like 425 yeah it got higher than 359 here but the high that's the highest it's been for a few months or highest i remember it being for a few might have got up to like 63 or something but welcome to the very adult podcast where we talk about (laughs) adulting and not not porn not that kind of adult oh unfortunately 
I mean, it could be. We could do an after dark. Damn. <laughs> Welcome to the strange. Well, no, it's you. Oh shit! Hold on. I wasn't paying attention because this is a continuation, so my brain was like, it's the same episode. <laughs> Welcome to the strange. Oh, wait, hold on. Do we need to do a previously on Strange Unusual? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you want to. Well, I just did. Okay. There you go. I'll try to find some uh, knockoff um, supernatural SB music. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Strange and Unusual, where we discuss the Strange and Unusual. This is episode 131 of our series, seeking out the weird, the unexplained, and the devious from around the world. I'm Roya. And I didn't finish the intro. <laughs> and she's Casey. <laughs> and now for the going- continuation of our cliffhanger case from last week about Deborah Newell and her uh, definitely legit uh, scrubs are valid uh, clothing attire <laughs> always. Uh, Hashtag husband. scrubs are valid. <laughs> um, was it John? John John Meehan. Uh- I was gonna be like now for the exciting conclusion. <laughs> I, don't, uh, I was typing it when you called, and I had to like stop and make sure everything was working. You with you, and I totally forgot I was right. Um, follow us social media. We have them. Uh, we do. They will be at the end of the episode in more detail, as well as in the show notes. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, as well as patreon.com slash strange unusual, which we have revamped a little bit and started doing watch parties like we've been promising for like a year and a half. Yep. Uh, but they're there now. <laughs> we actually just finished watching Sins of Our Mother about the Lori Vallow case, which also if you're a part of the Discord and the, the Patreon, you would get all of my wonderful day by day updates of what's going on with that case because your girl's obsessed. Yeah, Casey is closely following that case. <laughs> I don't blame you though. It's it's real I don't know. I, I need to I need to know. Yeah, I mean you so, you miss such important conversations as Casey and I both uh listing off all of the serial killers we have not covered. Yes, that was a <laughs> that was a good that was a good one. And uh speculating wildly and talking about how uh Roya accidentally met Joe Exotic at a Pride yes. Parade <laughs> before and then was really disappointed that she gave away a fan. Pre pre uh Tiger King information, but yeah. So we last left off. Where we last left our intrepid adventurers, uh, Deborah had just realized that John wasn't the man she thought she'd married. Wee woos! Bringing him back for episode two, just in case you missed the first one. We go back and manipulation. listen to the first one if you. I mean, I mean, yes, but, I'll, but also uh, <laughs> manipulation, online dating, emotional, mental, and physical abuse, isolation, stalking, threats, fucking cops, and self-defense. Not fucking cops, but no, like fucking. All cops are bastards. <laughs> like, g- goddamn cops. Yeah. Goddamn caps. Uh, yeah, they're not great in this one. I don't so. expect them to be great in anyone, so. Except for that Richard Ramirez case, man. They were on There are a few. There, I will admit, there, there those are detectives a few. In that in that documentary. Mwah. Anyway, so, who was John Meehan? Or, do you want to know? Yes. Well, guess what? He was not an anesthesiologist. An anesthesiologist doctor nurse? Really? He yes, wasn't? That's right. Shocking. He was, though, a liar, <laughs> a manipulator, a cheater, and a chip off the old block. 
Oh. According to his sisters, he learned all of these wonderful skills from their father, um, and he would brag about his father's mafia connections. Um, his dad had him like jumping in front of moving vehicles at a young age, trying to pull off insurance scams oh, and the, rip off local restaurants. The classic curly Sue. Got it. Yeah. Uh, he would he would crush glass into their food. And then be like, oh, your restaurant is trying to kill Jeez. us. And then try to sue. Yeah. Uh, he gotten into using and then selling drugs as a teenager. So he did, though, legitimately graduate from the University of Arizona with his undergrad in 1988. And then he went on to the University of Dayton to study law, where he earned the infamous nickname Dirty John or Filthy John, or sometimes just Filthy, um, due to his alleged ability to lure in women. Ew. Yeah. So his first wife was Tanya Sells. She was a practicing certified or wait, what certified registered nurse anesthetist. Uh, and while she was dating John, uh, he was at law school before he abruptly opted to change careers. He flunked. Um, so then he he allowed his wife to support him while he went to another school. Oh, allow permitted her yes. to do so. Yes. That's very so, kind yes. of him. So kind of um, him. But, you know, like, I bet someone who, I mean, I feel like you almost have to, to a certain extent, but I feel like someone who's like a master manipulator would probably make a really good lawyer. Right? I mean, lawyers, uh, not not super far away from cops, depending on who they defend. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, he stated, his stated age and date of birth were different than what was on his driver's license. They didn't match. And when his wife asked about it, he said, oh, that's a fake ID that I used in college to buy alcohol. Uh, I just haven't gotten around to fixing it. What? <laughs> like, usually if you have a fake ID, you also have a real ID. Yeah, like even like something. <laughs> right. So like a school ID minimally. They were together for two years um, before getting married in 1990. Um, the wedding was in Dayton, Ohio, but he didn't invite any of his family. She was 25 and he was 31, but she was under the, the impression that he was 26. He told her that his family was just a bunch of addicts and lowlifes and he didn't want them to attend the wedding. So she gets him into school to become a certified registered nurse anesthetist like she was, like she was currently doing. And it was while she was watching their wedding video that she overheard his college nickname from his friends. He dismissed it, saying uh, they're just drunk. It means nothing. But like he give this guy gives his whole speech and he's like, I can't believe filthy John is getting married, you know, like all that. So uh, she supported him as he went through school, eventually graduating from the Middle Tennessee School of Anesthesia. Anna. Oh, my fucking God. The Middle Tennessee School of Anesthesia. Over the years, uh, they would have two daughters. But Tanya noticed their relationship was growing cold with John having increasing mood swings and uh, being just really nasty to her. Then he surprised her by asking for a divorce. After 10 years of marriage, uh, and she and she couldn't seem to get any information out of him. He, so, like, she didn't know what was going on, why he was doing this. So she ends up calling his mother Dolores. And this was like a big no-no. Like, John was like, don't contact my family. They're awful. They wouldn't want to hear from you anyway. But then he call, she calls her uh, the mom. She told People Magazine that she said, uh, this is Tanya. I'm married to your son, John. And his mom was like silent before saying, oh, Tanya, I knew you would call me one day. Weird. Which is like, what a fucking flag, man. 
Dolores goes on to tell her that John had lied about his date of birth and his name. Um, he said that his name was Jonathan Michael Meehan. And it's just it's just John. It's not Jonathan. It's not short for Jonathan. It's just John. Just John. Um, and that he. <laughs> Sorry, I just had a Will and Grace moment. Just John. <laughs> and that he had all these drug charges against him that she didn't know about. Uh, quote, that just led to the whole conversation. He's been lying and cheating and messing around with other women his whole life. So Tanya ended up searching their home and found his stash of anesthetics he'd been stealing from the hospital. She knew that he was either using them recreationally or selling or both. And so she called the police. Police lost. Oh, police launched their own investigation in September of 2000. And in 2002, the investigation had reports of Meehan from other hospital employees saying that John had brought a gun into the operating room. And some people actually saw him stealing drugs and injecting patients with saline. Ew. So like, dude, why aren't you, don't you have to do like a, like a hippo oath or something? Well. A hippopotamus oath? <laughs> I mean, yeah, but we could spend literally 10 episodes we could do this whole, talking about whole, <laughs> this whole podcast Angels on. of Death. Yeah. Yeah. So they just they just watched him do it and let these uh, patients be in pain, which is yeah, great, wonderful. We love that. That's sarcasm. Yeah. How how um, Mother Teresa of him. Yeah. Uh, investigators found a loaded gun with forty five empty containers for six different prescription medications. John was stripped of his license to work as a nurse anesthetist. He had tried to flee arrest, but they found him in Michigan, and then he served six years in prison for resisting arrest and possession of drugs. He served 17 months and was released in 2004. Oh, right. Because that one of the his former addresses was the prison. Was Michigan. Yeah. Uh, in March of two, uh, 2015, back to our present story. John had a hospital stay for a few weeks, recovering from a back surgery. He, he, he had had issues with his back, as he had mentioned. My are doing something so he had issues with his back as i mentioned but he also because of the surgery ended up with a bowel instruction obstruction what is a bowel instruction sorry so yeah he ended up with a bowel obstruction and uh deborah like prepares she's like this is not what i was expecting i'm going to hire a lawyer the lawyer says you should get papers ready to annul the marriage she asked shad remember remember our friend shad do. and her daughter jacqueline to come uh, help her move his things into the garage and within his things they found an envelope with a bunch of shad's personal information like his date of birth and address and place of employment they found printouts from websites where women shared information about dangerous men john was listed with warnings like do not let this man into your life and quote classic psychopath oh good yeah and this is also when she discovered his nickname dirty john that's when deborah found out uh, he would date women, get them to send intimate photos of themselves, and then blackmail them, sending the photos to their families or to their kids' schools. It, he was not a good dude. So Deborah moved out of the house. She lost like $50,000 because remember, she paid that rent up front for, what was it, six six $6,500 a month for that house. And so she moves out. And at first, she's getting weird texts about uh, how she'd stolen money from him and she hit him and all this other stuff he's accusing her of. But then the he like flips the scripts and he starts like pleading with her, like asking her to stay. I need you. He could explain everything. He's a victim of circumstance. Her lawyer is telling her, change your fucking will. <laughs> like, if, if he kills Deborah, 
he's the beneficiary. And so the lawyer's like, you need to change your will. And there were, uh, I guess they found alleged murder solicitations that had been made uh, for $10,000 a body for the two detectives that were working on one of John's cases, a few ex-girlfriends and his ex-wife, Tanya. But the prison informant refused to testify. So there was no, it never went to court. Like it never, there was never a case. So 23 days go by and Deborah decides to go visit John to look him in the eye and get the whole story, which is not something you should do. Just FYI. <laughs> If this, if you know that you're being manipulated by someone, don't go and talk to them. So he's begging her to believe that he was set up and he didn't do those things and he can prove it. And please forgive me. And blah, 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 blah. I'm John. Yeah. So she, <laughs> she had questions and he had answers for all of it, convincing her that none of it was true. He said, uh, yes, I lied about being an anesthesiologist because... He basically does the work of an anesthesiologist, but he wanted to make himself look better. He wanted, you know, he was flattering her. He he was trying to play the part, um, play to the part of her that loved compliments. So he was like, you're so great with your business and your beauty. And I just didn't think you would ever go for a guy like me if you knew I wasn't an actual anesthesiologist, you know, like buttering her up, basically. He told her he lied about certain things because he was afraid of losing her. And so they reconcile. Damn it. Yeah. Deborah. Deborah, we need words. Okay. We're going to sit you down, have a little chat. <laughs> so she said in the Evil, Li- uh, Evil Lives Here interview that the reason she stuck by John for as long as she did was because of her vows. And that was where I really rolled my eyes because I'm like, bitch, you were divorced four times. Do not act like your vows were the reason for sticking around. You were heckin' had by a con man. And that's not your fault. She is, by all accounts, a smart, kind woman who runs a successful business. Uh, But he was just really good at manipulating people. Even his ex-wife was clearly brilliant. Like, she's a fucking nurse anesthetist and knew at the end, like, oh, my God, I can't believe this guy got me. But the heart and the brain aren't always the best at communicating. And the heart wants what it wants. And Deborah wanted so badly to be loved and to be in a relationship So she withdrew the request for the annulment and once again, didn't tell anyone about it. John uh, said he seemed, uh, sorry, John, she said, seemed repentant. Uh, He would cry in church and he did anything she wanted. And that June, they moved back in together. Tara and Deborah went out for lunch one day that summer. Deborah seemed distracted by her phone and Tara asked if she was still seeing John. Deborah confessed. The family was rightfully furious and baffled even arlene was praying that uh she wouldn't lose her daughter at this point like arlene who went on the stand for billy vickers went on the stand to say he he might have killed my daughter but i still love him even she was saying god i wish this guy would just go away (laughs) you know you fucked up at that point when you piss off arlene she's willing to forgive a lot of shit evidently (laughs) it's not funny it's not, but like, oh my god. Maybe that okay. just wasn't her favorite daughter. So she's just like, Maybe. I had others. That's You win some, you lose God damn, Arlene. <laughs> we are not your number one fan here. Sorry to tell. So the kids end up pulling away from Deborah. And so, I'm still laughing about Arlene. I'm sorry. <laughs> easy go, easy go. <laughs> Will you let me go? It is what it is. 
<laughs> All right. So her kids pull away. She's she's upset. They wouldn't let her see her grandkids. Well, can you believe? No shit. And Shad, her nephew, didn't speak to her for months. And he's basically her son. Yeah. So. Um, she felt heartbroken. But John said he needed her. He's ill. He has a bad back and MS. Would you really abandon me in my time of need? That sort of With shit. With how much he lied to her? Mm. Yeah, probably. Mm. Yeah. And then also, like, threatened violence on her children. If, if it were me, I mean, I wouldn't have moved that quickly to begin with. But... Yeah, I just maybe if one of those things had been different. Let's let me let me rewind the clock a little bit here. I can remember Reyes telling me that she was worried that I thought she was moving too quickly when she and Elise moved in together. Yeah, after six months, three months, but yeah, was it three uh-huh. months? I thought it was no, six it was months. Three months. But I was like, I mean, okay, except for that, Roya is one of the most reasonable people I know. Yeah, <laughs> and it was a situation where like her family is still close. I knew that if I needed an out, I've got my entire social network here. Like, if I needed to go, I could go. Um, Also, my parents wouldn't just not help me if I needed it. But realistically, moving in after three months and moving in after five weeks do very different yeah and i mean we're we're in completely different situations as far as age would go yep as well as financial stability too like one of the big reasons why elise moved in was because i needed help keeping up with rent and bills and stuff because my roommate very uh suddenly moved out yeah we don't need to put this in there but like i was just thinking about that when i was reading this like i can remember you saying that to me and like me going three months or you know like i like i said i for some reason thought it was six months but like i was like it's not that's not crazy i moved in with aj way faster than i wanted to because my mom kicked me out yeah like, sometimes it just works out it's it just happens and but this is not that case no. like deborah did not need a man to move in with her and she definitely didn't need to get married to a man after not even two months well and like, i mean i can see like if you wanted to if you had that kind of money and he was struggling and you're like okay let me take care of your rent or something yeah like, that's a pennies to her you yeah. know and like yeah something like that sure like pull the sugar mama situation i don't care but like you need that independence until you know yep especially when you have so much stake she's got her whole fortune that she worked her ass off to earn she's got her kids that she's responsible for even still even though they're adults they still are involved in her life and they're still in contact with her it's not like they were cut off at that point and this wasn't even the first time this happened to her no like she'd been taken advantage of before yeah it we just, don't, we're it, not blaming you, Deborah. It goes to show what a good manipulator John must have been. Yeah. To get past well, all I... of her walls so quickly. Because there's no way that you, after so many failed relationships and failed marriages and being taken advantage of, there's no way that you don't have walls up. Exactly. And that's what, what um, her daughters are saying. Like, she's so trusting and she's so kind. And he said he must have been saying something to her that made her go, I can trust him. Yeah. He's different. And, you know, all these other things. And that's that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not blaming Deborah here. No. But I am saying, you know, maybe listen to your children when they tell you, Mom, you're moving fast. You've been taken advantage of. Think about how this went last time. You know? Yeah. I don't know. It's it's a weird situation to look at from the outside. And, like, that's... In everything I read, it was like, how did this woman, who is clearly smart enough to get ahead and do all these wonderful things, 
get conned by this man? And the answer is because he was really fucking good and really fucking evil. Like, good at what he does and evil. Yeah. So, meanwhile, speaking of speaking of John, he hires a lawyer named, um, I cannot remember how to say his name, John Giallo? 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 D-Z-I-A-L-O. Have fun with that. So he he wants to hire this lawyer to go after his enemies. He's like, go after the police. Go after my ex-girlfriends who stole all this money from me. Uh, And it's like a part of this big scheme to get Deborah to believe his version of the story. And the lawyer initially planned to decline despite the $25,000 retainer. But Deborah seemed so naive and so genuine and vulnerable that he felt the need to talk to these people. He told the LA Times that he'd practiced law for 40-something years and that Meehan was the scariest man he'd ever met. Deborah had asked him if there was anything that could be done to ease the concerns of her family who worried more and more about this greedy con man being a part of her life. So the lawyer suggested a post-nup, effectively cutting John out of the finances. And as the conversation went on, the more enraged John was getting, not vocally, but he was like scowling and his body language was just like arms crossed over his chest, sinking into his chair. And so the lawyer said he had a bad feeling um, and even told his assistant after the fact that he thought Deborah's life was in danger. He also knew that John was going to do everything he could to stop that post-nup from going through. So sure enough, he drags his feet on the pertinent paperwork to file the post-nup. And then when the lawyer said uh, John didn't have enough to go to court with the lawsuits that he wanted to file when he when John was told this um that's how he found the opportunity to fire the lawyer stevie i know you have the zoomies right now but mommy is working (laughs) i just saw just a shadow behind you run past (laughs) hilarious so uh jalo decided to start bringing a shotgun to work Uh uh-oh because of because of how um infuriated meehan had gotten with him wow so he left a letter for deborah at work saying like hey if you would like this to go through, John said he fired me because of X, Y, Z. I'm still here and available to work for you. And he left that letter with her assistant at work. Deborah gets the letter. She tells John, which makes me so mad. And and then John sends threats to Jello. But like every time, like, why do you have to tell John everything? Yeah. Like, oh, I went to, you know, uh, Jacqueline said this. I'm going to go tell John. But, oh, stop it. I feel like the Michael Jordan meme. Stop it. Get some help. <laughs> so John told Deborah he didn't care about the money. I don't I don't care about the money. I would live under a bridge with you as long as I have you, which is clearly not the case. Um, but she still she still has a little bit of that sense of sinking fear. Like maybe maybe I was wrong about this reconciliation, perhaps. And she's still also really isolated from her family. The only one who seemed to be willing to give John another chance was Tara, who'd offered to sit down and talk it out with them. When Tara and her boyfriend broke up, she went back to California with Deborah and started a job as a kennel attendant and dog groomer. John didn't object and um, was back on his doting ways while Tara stayed with them. But Deborah was feeling the fear more and more. And over the next few months, she realized she couldn't deal with tiptoeing around his volatile behavior and she missed her kids. Once she went to see Jacqueline and he found out because he'd put a tracker on her car and he told her that if she did it again, he would kill Jacqueline by throwing her in the ocean. Wow. Yeah. 
She acted like nothing was wrong, played his game in order to protect herself until she could get herself to safety, moving money around and changing passwords on her computers. She'd give her kids money to help them out, and then she would just be like, "Um, hold on to this for me. You know, like, hide some of this for me. And she put $30,000 cash in a lingerie drawer just in case she had to run. But John was suspicious. God, I just have $30,000 that you could put in cash. Tuck away. In your underwear drawer. Yeah, just in case. I mean, Grant, I I don't envy her situation when it comes to John and all of this, but I I do envy being able to have just $30,000 laying around and not miss it. Yep. Because, man, I I, I can't even have $30. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Uh, Support our Patreon, guys. Yeah. Patreon.com slash stranger usual. It's just $2 a month. $1 for each of us. Uh, but John was suspicious. Uh, he said he could tell she looked at him differently. And he said he she he knew that she was going to leave him. She insisted, I'm just busy. I'm stressed with work, whatever. And he would always tell her, Deborah, forever means forever. Oh. He found out she'd helped fund Jacqueline getting her real estate license. It's a no for me, dog. Yeah. Uh, and he sent her disgusting text messages, slandered her to the real estate school she was in to the point where she was so embarrassed that she had to drop out. Because of all the nasty stuff he was sending to Jacqueline's school. Then he found the money that Deborah was stowing away. He confronted her with the cash in his hand. She tried to leave, but he blocked her exit, pushing and telling her, hit, uh, what did he say? Hit me because you'll never get up again. So she told him she was leaving and she was finally able to get in her car and get away. And then she moved out quickly. She hired a lawyer. She started the divorce proceedings. But John wasn't about to lose his meal ticket and he had a plan for revenge. <clears throat> I'm going to read you one of the text messages. You lied, Deb. You lied lots. You think I'm going to allow your family to continue? Feel sorry all you want. I don't care. I'm a sick man. Look in the mirror five times and you're still making the same mistakes. I look forward to you being dumb enough not to settle. And since I left with only my car, which your workers saw, what items are missing? I know so much more than you can even imagine. So much more. I have pictures and emails. It will ruin your family and devastate your business. Don't test me. Yeesh. Uh, yeah, he said he was going to like strangle her and bury her in the backyard. I will I will kill you and take everything you've ever had. Uh, he, he ended up, I guess he put nude photos of her online. He sent texts to her nephews about Cindy's murder, saying things like your dad should have put, a, put one in your head too, like your mother. God. To Shad and Shane, yeah. Uh, he reamed her business on Yelp called contractors that she worked with and harassed her endlessly. He accused her of assault. He stole $17,000 by forging checks and was demanding $7,000 a month in spousal support, along with her paying his attorney's fees. So Deborah goes into hiding for eight months. She bought dark wigs. She had different clothes. She stayed in hotels and lived in constant fear. She changed phones, but he would call her office and tell them things like, I'm a client who just needs to get a hold of her. Can you give me her number? And then they would give out her number. Um, Then he would send her messages like, boo, I found you. Or you, you keep hiding everyone. Can't hide. Woof, woof. uh. Yeah. Uh, Which is like, John, are you a furry? Oh my God. Arf, arf, arf. Uh, (laughs) uh, He said, I hope you went to church today because I have a really bad feeling about you. No more being nice. This will turn an entire family inside out. You're selfish to allow this. You'll never forgive yourself, but I'm doing it. She had no idea what he was going to do, but she knew he was capable of killing her. So she tried to get a restraining order 
They were living in separate states now, and the court didn't see an immediate threat. And he'd never been violent with her. So there was no, like, she never reported any physical violence. So there they didn't have anything to give a restraining order on. But they were going to refile, but she ended up going to meet him to try to settle and annul the marriage. He cried. He told her how he's now dying of cancer. How could she leave him? Blah, blah, blah. I'm doing badly. I need you. I need you. And she ended up staying the night in the house with him, allegedly in a different room. And with that, threw away the chance of ever getting a restraining order. In the court's eyes, you don't fear for your life if you go to stay the night with the guy who's allegedly trying to kill you. Which, the court, right? So, June 11th, 2016 I mean, I see the logic, but there's a certain level of, like, concern for your life, your well-being, concern that you're wrong. Yeah. (sighs) That's a complicated one. Yeah. Uh, June 11th, 2016. Deb's Jaguar a $64,000 car, went missing from the parking lot of her business. John was caught on camera taking the car, and then it was found a block away. The inside was mildly torched and soaked in gasoline, but the fucking moron, John, didn't understand that fire needs oxygen to burn. With the windows sealed and doors all closed, the fire extinguished itself. But while the police were, quote, building their case, John walked free for another two months. Deborah blocked his number, changed phones, stayed in on the move, and Jacqueline bought a gun. She knew that he hated her the most. So on August 19th, 2016, Jacqueline came back from the di- uh, from, from having dinner with a friend uh, when she spotted John outside of her complex. She suspected he was there to kill her or her mom, but Jacqueline coming back with a guy probably scared him off. You know, that another guy could potentially hurt him, whereas these two weak women couldn't do anything, you know? Yeah. Jacqueline told the LA Times that they had contacted the police every time something like this happened, but they would never actually do anything. Let's talk about Charles Vallow warning the cops about Lori. Yeah. Again. I mean, but Deborah decided. Yeah. Deborah decided it wasn't worth calling the cops because they weren't going to do anything. And she wasn't convinced that Jacqueline had actually seen him. So Jacqueline went to Tara's complex and did circles around the parking lot to make sure he wasn't around because she knew Tara was alone and had no way to protect herself. I mean, like, lady, your kids don't seem to be lying. They seem to yeah. be pretty on above board with all of what they found. So uh, yeah. I don't know that this is the time that I would definitely start trusting my kids about this. You know, mm. like when when... The information that I'm finding and everything is lining up with what they've been telling me. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't have any words. Yeah. I, I mean, I know. Womp yeah. womp. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So Tara went or Jacqueline went to check on Tara to make sure he wasn't creeping around her place. Uh, but then she went home. She barely slept. She called Tara at six in the morning to warn her about what she'd seen. She described the car. She said it was a white Camry, but it was dark. And she described the car wrong. Tara was working as a dog groomer. On the 19th, she got a call from a man with a French accent who seemed to, or he had two dogs he wanted to bring in. I think he, I think she said they were Rhodesian Ridgebacks. Um, and she said she thought it was odd to hear from a man. They usually got calls from women. And weirder still that he spoke with a French accent, but there were dogs barking. She wasn't really thinking about the dude's accent. She had to work. Um, so she said, uh, well, I'm here until five tomorrow. Do you want to come in? And he scheduled his dogs for the next day. And she didn't think anything of it. The dogs never came. It was later determined to be John just trying to find out her schedule. Tara had been warned about John potentially snooping around and it worried her. But she was also distracted because she's got she had tickets to a uh, country 
music concert that night with a friend. So she's excited. She pulls into her parking lot. It's her normal spot. They don't have like assigned park uh, spots, but she pulls into the spot she normally parks in and she notices a guy fiddling with a tire iron in front of a car. But it wasn't a white Camry. It was a gray Dodge Dart. Her dog Cash barked at the man, but she assumed it was a homeless guy just living out of his car and she wasn't overly concerned. Um, Cash, by the way, if I haven't mentioned, is a miniature Australian Shepherd. No, cute. Very cute. Um, So she got out of her car. She went to get Cash out of the back of the car. And that's when she's grabbed by the man and asked, do you remember me? And it was, of course, John. Remember that John is about a foot taller than Tara and almost certainly on steroids to keep himself beefy. Tara told Dateline, quote, he was trying to push me into the car. I tried to get away from him. I was screaming and he put his hand over my mouth. I bit as hard as I could. Police later found a kit in his car with a backpack, duct tape, cable ties, and six knives along with his passport. So John starts to assault Tara. Uh, She thought he was punching her over and over. She fought like hell and screamed for help, but he just kept hitting her again and again. Cash uh, was biting at his legs and ankles. During the fight, she stumbled backwards and ended up on her back looking up at him. And that's when she realized he wasn't punching her. He had a knife and this Del Taco bag and was stabbing her repeatedly. He was there to kill her. This is in front of a whole complex of apartments with windows looking directly at her. But it's said that this wasn't the best area of town. It wasn't uncommon to overhear domestic disputes and look the other way, which we've also talked about. Yeah. It was a 14-year-old girl named Skylar that came to Tara's rescue. She had gotten back from her junior lifeguard training and went to the window to see what was going on when she heard the screaming. She grabbed a beach towel and ran out the door barefoot after telling her mom to call 911. She said she saw people watching from their balconies and others were just walking their dogs as if nothing was happening. She wasn't thinking that the attacker would turn on her. She just knew she needed to help. Meanwhile, Tara is fighting. She's pedal kicking John as he leaned over her. Her foot caught the knife. It flew up into the air and fell directly at her right hand side, handle pointed towards her. She says she thought it was a sign from above, like a guardian angel told her she was meant to live. Then another instinct kicked in. All of those episodes of The Walking Dead, Dexter, CSI, they suddenly came into her brain and helped Tara understand, like, this is the moment I need to fight for my life. And she did. She didn't think. She picked it up and she just got to it. She stabbed John a total of 13 times, mostly in the back and arms and shoulders. But she'd studied the violence of zombie shows and she knew he wouldn't stop until she managed a headshot. Tara's final blow went through John's left eye, piercing his brain. She said he gasped and started to fall on top of her. Um, She pushed him off and threw the knife as far away as she could and then scooted like scurried away from him still screaming for help thinking he could get up at any moment and keep going skylar got to her and wrapped the towel around the deep wound on her arm where the muscle tissue was exposed newport beach 911 dispatch got the call from a woman saying someone's been stabbed and he attacked a girl it's a girl and her dog and then a guy is on the ground i'm not really sure what happened we just heard her screaming the dispatcher said do you see blood the woman said yes and the guy's on just on the ground john was found convulsing and bloody Someone else came to check on John and checked his vitals and all that. Another 911 call is placed for John, a man yelling in the background for John to breathe. And Tara screaming, don't touch him. He tried to kill me. And she was in shock and she's mortified. People are trying to revive this guy who just tried to kill her. 
She was hysterical to the point where she called her mom and said, I'm so sorry, mom. I think I killed your husband. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Deborah said that call was absolutely surreal and that she felt a lot of guilt that John had targeted Tara and not her. But John wasn't dead. Tara was being taken to the hospital, but she wouldn't let the EMTs give her an IV until she had her dog with her, which like, that's dope. <laughs> like, where's my fucking dog? And the dog gets put into the, the ambulance with her and she's taken to the hospital. Once she's there, she asked where her mother was. She was told that Deborah went to the other hospital to be with John. Ew. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh. I, gotta, I was, Yeah. So Tara was devastated, calling out for her mom, just wanting her mom to be there like she was supposed to be there, like to protect her. Now, don't get the wrong idea, I will say. Deborah had shown up at the crime scene and was told she couldn't see Tara. Instead, they had to have her go and try to identify the man who they only knew as a John Doe at this point. The knife to John's brain had caused multiple strokes and had left him brain dead and on life support. Oof. Matt Murphy, a veteran assistant DA, said that uh, said in the Los Angeles Times that the stab wounds on the back and arms were all superficial, but that Tara had fought like hell. I mean, what was she supposed to do? Right. So Deborah was finally able to go see Tara. Uh, Tara told Deborah she knew this would happen and that they had warned Deborah so many times and pointed out all the red flags. But at the same time, she was grateful to have her mom there with her. Like, I can't imagine being in that situation. You're like, I fucking told you. And this man tried to kill me. But also, I kind of just want my mommy right now. That's rough. Uh, so Meehan was taken off life support after Deborah called in John's sister, Karen. She didn't feel comfortable doing it herself, given everything they were going through. When they pulled the plug... Deborah told John it was okay to go and that she forgave him. The hospital couldn't even harvest his organs because of how badly they looked from all the drug abuse. Wow. Like, That's unfortunate. Yeah. John Meehan was pronounced dead on August 24th, 2016. He had a direct cremation with no memorial service and Deborah filmed it so that she could always have proof that he was really gone if, Tebra, if, I'm sorry, if Tara really needed it. Chad Vickers told the LA Times, the last person on earth I thought would ever send John to hell would be Tara. She has a lot of guilt towards John's sisters, but she was actually thanked and sent flowers by his one sister, Donna. Wow. Um, yeah, she said they knew what kind of man he was and they understood that he could have done a lot worse to a lot more people. Wounds often heal faster than relationships, though, and Tara still has a lot of PTSD and a lot of resentment towards Deborah. Uh, Tara now uses her experience to talk with other men and women who face similar experiences of abuse, and she is still been or she has been in therapy. Deborah has been inspired to help victims of domestic abuse. There are women that are probably scared to death to leave, she said. They don't see any other way of getting out of the relationship, and I want to have a voice for them. She has gotten over John and has realized he never really loved her and may never have been capable of love, though she didn't understand that at the time. It was hard for her to sort out what was real and what wasn't. And that was the hardest part. Yeah, I mean, I imagine uh, so. She's since written a book about her experience to help others identify the signs of coercive control that abusers will use in their relationships. And she refuses to be shamed as a victim. She believes the only bad guy in the story is John Meehan. Yeah. Which is absolutely true. And if you try to blame Deborah for this, get absolutely The fucked. only thing is I wish that Deborah would have listened to her kids sooner. I, I don't disagree. But she was. But that's still. She was had. That, yeah, that still yeah. doesn't. That's not me saying. That's. I wish I could go back and change that for her. Yeah. That's not. She's at fault for this. 
I just wish that I wish that there had been something that they could have said to to just make her understand the way that he was able to convince her the opposite. Yes. Yes. They needed the (laughs) anti-John. Yeah. So she has since moved to Las Vegas. And the last I read has no plans to look for love online again. Don't blame her. (laughs) And why why did I choose this as my happy ending story? The world has one less terrible cishet white guy, which is the happiest ending you can get. I mean, as... As far as things could have gone, this is oh, the yeah. best possible outcome. This was the fact that his own fucking sister said, "Hey, thanks. Here's some flowers. Yeah, thank you for sorry you had to go through thank that. Thank you for but killing my brother. My was brother. A real like, <laughs> damn. Yeah. I mean, that gives you such an indication of exactly <laughs> the type of man he was, and yeah. that he had probably been awful to his sisters as well. Yep. Oh man, the sto- I didn't mention it because it wasn't really pertinent to the story, but I will I will tell you. There's this I think it was I'm pretty sure it was Donna. She was helping him when he was getting out of prison and dealing with all of his drug stuff. She got him a place to live. She gave him money. She was like supporting him saying like, "Look, you have a clean slate now. You can get a job and do all this stuff." And the first thing he did was he started cruising for women online. Wow. And like, yeah. He wanted an easy and, out. Yep. And he and uh his- picked the wrong woman with the wrong kid to fuck with yeah i just love the fact that like i i really the whole time i was like it's gotta be jacqueline jacqueline's the one who she just puts a fucking bullet in his head right no tara is like i've watched the walking dead bam (laughs) i mean you know it's good that her uh fight or flight hit flight or hit fight yeah look see i'm and i'm just saying like i know a lot of people have a lot of negative things to say about true crime but I know how to do a lot of shit now to protect myself because of all the true crime garbage I've watched well, and, over and the years. And what to watch out for, like what those yep. red flags and things that see- can seem so innocuous, like the yep. fact that the dogs were never comfortable around this guy, like none of the dogs. First, as soon as my dogs don't like you, bye. Yeah. Bye. Like, bye bye, Deborah. <laughs> A cat can take some time to warm up to somebody, but a dog, I mean, unless that dog's been through some shit, I don't think any of these dogs from this rich white family were. No. Um, But yeah, if if the dog doesn't trust you, something's fucking up. Like when my parents still lived in town, my uh, cousin who had kind of been estranged from the family came over um, for like Thanksgiving or Christmas or something. And he was going through, he's he's uh, sorted out his life now, and he's in a lot better place, which is great. But at the time, he was not a good guy. And um, my parents had, well, she was supposed to be my dog, but she basically just became my mom's dog. And um, she would not stop barking at my cousin the whole time. Like, she never really liked people. Like, she would always bark at people. She was like, a little tiny rat terrier so basically just a chihuahua but a rat terrier and so she would she would bark but eventually she would chill like eventually she would calm down and she just was not having this guy in her house to the Mm. point that we finally had to put her outside because she was barking so much we couldn't like handle it anymore Mm. and then we hear her still barking outside (laughs) She had stretched onto her hind legs with her paws on the window and was barking at him from outside of the house, like into the house. She was that upset he was still there. She never calmed down until he left. (laughs) 
So like, I trust dogs, yeah, man. man. And if if someone comes over and they're just like they don't like dogs or they they're weird with the weird with animals or something, like I'm watching you. <laughs> yeah, do not trust. Yeah, and the thing like it for me, they're like as somebody who. Um, you know, we talked about how I minimized my trauma. I was just about to say, out oh, somebody who experienced something similar to abuse. So it's like, no, I went through. Yeah. So like, come on, Casey, give yourself, give yourself the the due. Are you one hundred percent did. <laughs> um, but as somebody who went through that, like, once you see it, I think you either get to the point where like it's hard to not see, or you you need to be like intentionally blind to it as a as a defense mechanism. Yeah. Like you're trying to protect yourself by not seeing it and and you're only doing yourself dirty. Like Yeah. It's it's a hard situation to be in and like I said I don't blame Deborah at all. No. I just think it what it's it's not all right, here's here's how I want to say this. I don't blame her. It is just so hard to wrap my head around the fact that somebody that's smart and like clearly successful and intelligent in a way that she could build a business that is flooded like that and be successful like she clearly has a good head on her shoulders it the fact that someone could come in and be so good at manipulating to make somebody like that do the things that he had her do yeah is fucking wild and well and and how clearly she cared about her kids i mean to just like not even blink an eye and take in her nephew like not even bat an eye at it raise him like he was her son but then not listen to anything they have to say yeah it's wild but it's It's the brain and the heart need to like have more open communication yeah and it's it's just that's the thing with it too is that it it, again it just shows what a master manipulator john meehan was sure you can hear the plane going oh not really okay it's showing up big on my microphone I live a lot closer to the Air Force Base now, so I'm like that. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, but yeah. Yeah. He's horrible. We hate him and we're glad he's dead. Yep. Happy ending. And we're glad that no one else can be his victim and yep. that no one in the family, the immediate family, was permanently injured or harmed. Aside from mental trauma, which I get is still permanent. Uh, but no, nobody died. Yeah. Nobody died. Nobody got paralyzed. No one lost a limb things could have been been so so much much worse worse. this could have been a family annihilation yep i think that's where it was going and i think that that might be part of what tara was seeing in that moment too was Mm -hmm. if he can do this to me what will he do to my mom yep not what can he do what will he do if he can do this here in front of an apartment complex on the street in the day with all these people around and the wild thing to me oh no you're fine the wild thing to me is that even the lawyer who met them for the first time was like this woman is potentially in danger yeah like the kids knew it the lawyers know it the dogs know it everybody saw it except for maybe arlene but well then even (laughs) she eventually started she she turned her story around because it was tearing the family apart. Yeah, but that's still obviously uh, an issue for her. I don't know that she ever had an issue with John personally, but she didn't didn't like that it was tearing her family apart. But regardless, she did end up coming around to the right side. Kinda. I just don't know. I don't know that if it was for the right reason. Yeah, I I'm mean, questioning we, you, Arlene. We still uh, do not stand Arlene because no. she still got up and forgave the 
murderer of her daughter. She probably was wearing her WWJD bracelet while she did it. <laughs> well, and I, okay, that's another thing. Like, some people need that forgiveness. Some people need to, to forgive in their heart so they can move on and everything. That does not uh, block forgiveness you. Forgiveness does not equal. Uh, that does not give you a pardon in a court of law. <laughs> like, that's still fault. Yep. You know, it's not like you can forgive somebody. They can, you know, atone. They can, you know, talk to Jesus or whatever they do and, and ask for forgiveness. But like, they still fucking did it. But that's the the story of John Meehan and how we're glad he's dead. We are. He sucked. What a happy ending. I mean, comparatively to where it could have gone, yes. <laughs> so, thanks for joining us today uh, for the exciting conclusion to today's episode of John Meehan and Versus the World, I guess. I didn't write the actual, I forgot, sorry guys. We're going by the seat of my fucking pants here. Uh, we hope that you'll reach out to us with your own experiences. We want your stories, your questions, and your feedback. So just send us an email at strangeunusualpodcast at gmail.com. If you're sending a story, we ask that you put listener story in the subject line so that we can sort through those a little more easily. Uh, do you have any bizarre-ass stories of... I don't, I don't really want to hear your abuse story. Like, no. Unless you killed unless you killed a mother. But, like, do you have... Tell me about Do you it. have any relatives that were taken advantage of or, like, any crazy catfish situations? Yeah. Ooh, catfish. Uh, love catfish. We'd love to hear from you about those. Yeah. You can also find us on Instagram at strange underscore unusual underscore podcast or our personal accounts, Roya Rampage and Calamity Casey. You can find us on Twitter at underscore strange unusual at Calamity Casey and at Roya Rampage. We're also on Facebook to search for the strange unusual podcast. Um, I am also trying to stream on occasion and you can find me on twitch.com. What is it? Twitchtv.com. Twitch slash the Twitch. Now I've twitch.tv twitch.tv slash Roy Rampage. Roy Rampage. Yeah. Um, if you also, if you'd like, you can join us over on patreon.com slash strange unusual. Um, we have some of our older bonus episodes on there. Some of them are really, really good. Uh, Reverse Vampires, where we were both drunk, was super fun. Um, as well as access to our Discord, um, watch parties, monthly polls. Um, and then just kind of general talking about cases we've covered or cases that you guys would like to hear us cover, um, so on and so forth. <laughs> yeah, these uh, happy ending episodes were fired by uh, a request from a, from a patient. Yeah, the, one of the survivor stories I had last week was, uh, or I guess two weeks ago when this comes out, was um, requested or suggested by, she's now a Patreon member. Oh, we need to do her shout out. Hell yeah. Um, but before she was a patreon member she requested or suggested this case uh she was the um giuliana um Kupchik, uh case and uh or kopke and um yeah so if there's something that you think we have grievously overlooked or grievously shut up or uh <laughs> want to suggest to cover you don't necessarily have to be on patreon for that while we would really appreciate that um just send us a message on instagram or twitter or wherever and let us know that hey this this is interesting you guys might be into this and maybe we'll cover it yeah holla at us god damn it langley chill the fuck out with the planes today it's a saturday people are trying to sleep <laughs> um was i think i was gonna say well we gotta do lauren's uh yeah i'm trying but there was something i was gonna say after that and i'm I'm trying to get to the reviews. Um, 
don't know if we should say her last name or not. Yeah, we're just going to say Lauren. Okay, yeah. Or is, does her screen name different? Mm, I don't know. I'm not on Patreon. <laughs> Hold on. I got it. <laughs> she just left us a review on Apple Podcasts, too. That's what I was looking. Her last name is on there. I think it's her last name. I will just say shout out to Lauren. Okay, you do it. So yeah, shout out to Lauren for joining us over over ovary on Patreon. <laughs> yeah, joining us ovary on Patreon. We're a feminist uh, podcast. Slash strange unusual. And uh, we're so excited to have you among our little tiny family in our Discord. It's a great time. Hope you're having fun. Yeah, uh, she's the one that went through and was like liking all of our videos or all of our. Uh, instagram posts from the beginning of time yep, yep, yep. we shouted out a couple of times because she would just go through and like like 60 things at once <laughs> like, oh, thanks thanks friend so yeah we're happy to have you thank you for supporting us if you would like to get your own shout out you can join our patreon patreon.com slash how many well, also, how many times can i shill our patreon <laughs> huh uh I was pretending to be drunk. Oh, okay. I was really good at it. You see, yeah, you I, totally I 100% got what, I got what you were doing. Yep. Uh, yeah, and uh, the other thing I was going to say was that. Um, yep. Oh, next month's poll or this month's poll has been decided, and so next week the patrons, the patrons have spoken, and for our Halloween episode, Roya will be talking about the vague topic of werewolves. I wanted to keep it vague. It's more fun if it's vague. <laughs> Who knows what kind of werewolf story you're going to get. That's right. Are you going to get weird creepypastas? Maybe. Are you going to get someone who is known as the werewolf of somewhere? Maybe. Are you going to get an actual werewolf? I mean, probably not, but maybe. (laughs) We're not doing the the deep historical dive into werewolves is what I'm getting. Well, I mean, we already did that. Yeah, didn't we cover werewolves? I don't think so. Hold on, everybody. Because I did the the, uh, the, the Irish family, didn't I? Did we already do werewolves? Yeah. It's not on the list. I swear to God, we did werewolves. I, I'm pretty... You said that, and I'm like, yeah, we because did. Because we no, both I'm accidentally like, covered one of the same guys. Yeah, what was that? Is the Bean, yeah. right? Sonny Bean? Uh-huh. No, because I did Will-O-Wisp. You know what? What, what else? What, what was the was other it? Bean? Well, I mean, to be fair, we only have <laughs> episodes up to 89 on this list that I'm looking at, so... That was... That had to be well before 89, though, because that was... Oh, no, I'm looking at the revised okay. guide. Sorry. There's vampires. Can't, is it, was it under... Did I write animals? No. That was it? Oh, fuck. I don't remember. What, I'm going to find out what it is, but yeah. Um. Let's see. Let me... It was, it was a clan, right? Nope. There's nothing under clan either. Hold on. Not the clan with a K. Stevie. Really? Stop. And the Trace and Saul, Dainty Tomes, Murder, Violet, Jessup, Jack, Lizzie... Serious Bodies, Bigfoot, Arsonists, Bloody Benders. I forgot I did Bloody Benders. Okay, hold on. So I have the notes for it. Was it a... It wasn't a Patreon. No, what episode was, was it, it though? Do you have that? Uh, No, I do have... I can tell you... Oh, are we still fucking recording? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it was... Oh, wait. I have it as December 2020, so it was early. Yeah. Episode 50, Werewolves, Peter Stump. Lupines, fuck. That's what I, I was wondering why I couldn't yeah, I was like, find in documents. I was pretty sure that we had already done. We should probably stop recording. All right, hold on. Let's, let's do it. Okay. okay bye. Bye. <laughs>